Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and this is episode 281. And I am joined by somebody who I think is a great way to start off the new year, somebody who I think has really chased her dream. And she really made it. And I'm super excited to have Britt Davis on. I'm going to let Britt kind of give us a little bit of her background. But just so you guys know, she works... She didn't even play sports as a kid. I can't wait. (laughs) But she wanted to do sports and entertainment. And she now is the senior graphic designer at AMB. AMB Sports and Entertainment, which is covers the Falcons, covers the professional soccer team in Atlanta, and a whole bunch of other things. So there's it's in-house. She has an in-house job. Um, She worked at a we're going to get into this, but she worked at a university doing some of their sports stuff as well and kind of fell in love. She has a love for nostalgia. So if you like these things and you have a dream and if just so you know, it's very male dominated, um, the field in design, at least a lot of times, um, sports, um, design is very, have a lot of men, which we love men, we're glad, but it's good to have a women represented and then also a minority. So I'm excited for you to kind of share your story because I think you really are blazing a trail. A lot of my students are African American and a lot of my students are first year or first time, their first person in their family of going to college. So I really feel like it's really important to give all examples. I mean, I would say 90 80 to 90% of the students that I teach are women. And so it's just really good to see women in leadership. And I'm excited to talk to you about your whole journey. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Super long, really drawn out intro. So, so (laughs) sorry about that. So the nostalgia, Amy's saying the love nostalgia, even from airs before my time. Absolutely. So you also have this love for nostalgia and maybe people don't know, but you did industrial design in, in your undergrad. Kind of take us through your background a little bit so that they get a better idea of paint the picture. Cause I actually think that that ends up being a superpower for you. <laughs> um, so I grew up in um, a really artsy creative town. I went to Salem, North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. It's about an hour outside of Charlotte, um, hour and a half outside of um, Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was always surrounded by the arts and um, even within my family, um, on my, my mom's side and my dad's side, a lot of creative people, a lot of artists, musicians, um, crafters. So uh, it was something that was always present. And um, my parents, you know, they did a really good job uh, as far as helping me gauge that interest. So even if they weren't necessarily the ones painting and drawing, they kind of connected me with people who were. So um, even in elementary school, middle school, um, all through high school, um, definitely going into college, uh, they connected me with the right people to kind of help me understand what the industry was about so that I knew what it was going in. So that's kind of how I got into um, looking at industrial design, graphic design. Um, I did mostly fine arts in high school, so I did a lot of painting and drawing. Um, but I wanted to do something a little bit more. Um, I wanted to do something uh, a little different um, outside of just painting and, and drawing because I really didn't know where that was going to take me. Um, so my parents uh, enrolled me in a summer camp uh, at NC State um, design camp. So I was able to stay on campus. Like for what, what year? Like how old were you? Um, so that was going into my junior year of high school. Um, so I went up there for a week. Um, my, my mom and my dad, stepdad just uh, drove me up there. 
And basically you get to stay on campus for the whole week and you get to go through each program that's offered. And so while I was there, um, that's kind of where I met one of my first uh, mentors, um, Clayvon Lowe. He was in the industrial design program and he kind of took me under his wing. He was actually getting ready to graduate, I think, that year that I would be coming in. And um, my older cousin, Shanton, was in the graphic design department there. Uh, I think she had graduated two years before I got there. So um, I already had kind of some foundation um, before I was going in and kind of knew some people that connected me with the um, associate dean, Marva Motley, and some of the professors I got to meet um, and, you know, just get everything I needed so that when I did my review, uh, I kind of know exactly where I need to put my portfolio so that I'd have pretty much a sure way knowing that I was going to get in. Because did you, you have to, have to do a review to get in freshman year? Yeah, so you apply to NC State, and then you put which college you want to go to. And so you put college of design, then they review your application, you know, your grades, GPA, SAT, all that stuff. And then based on that, they'll decide if you can get an actual interview. You get your interview, you go up, uh, you present, I think, 10 to 12 pieces. Uh, and that's where my cousin Shanthony kind of really um, came in and helped me figure out how you format your portfolio, what's the best way to do it. Um, what type of projects they're looking for, what kind of questions they're going to ask you. Uh, so I made it to that process. Um, and I knew going in that I wanted to do industrial design um, based Which on... Which is also a very male-dominated yeah, field. It is. And, I, and it was when I was there. Um, and uh, I think maybe at the time, the college design, um, there were definitely a handful of, um, of women in the program. Um, but it was actually one of the smaller programs in the college design anyway. So, um, you know, we had architecture, graphic design, um, art and design, um, landscape architecture. Uh, but you know, I think industrial design was one of the, at the time, one of the, the smaller ones, but I loved the program. And I got insight with that through my art teacher, my high school art teacher, um, Matt Fussell. Um, he just noticed that in my sketchbook, I like to like draw things that I would take apart like to put things back together. I love building with Lego when I was little, even still now. Um, I still have them all over my office. Um, but he was like, industrial design will probably be something, you know, that you really like. So um, that's how I kind of knew going in that, you know, I want to do industrial design. Um, and so that's how I kind of built out my portfolio. So you um, sometimes, and maybe this is showing my age because I believe I'm a good bit older than you, but my parents had no idea what graphic design was. They yeah. definitely wouldn't have known what industrial design was. They knew what landscape architecture was, you know, mm -hmm. and so that's what my major was going to be at Auburn. And so it's really, it's because we didn't have a name for it. But if you yeah. looked at back of what I was doing, even in like fourth grade, I was making my own catalogs. I mean, yeah. And that's know, where it usually starts. I mean, it's, I think for me, when it came to, I had industrial design, I had graphic design, and I had like fine arts. With fine arts, I knew it was no painting, you know, I was going to do portraits. Um, I kind of got into architecture a little bit. I think that's what my parents initially would have liked for me to do, because you know, it's cool to say, you know, this is an architect. And I think that was the one they were most familiar with, because we have family friends who are architects, so they could actually, you know, get me connected to the right people. Um, but when I kind of started bringing up graphic design and uh, industrial design, they're like, hmm, you know, let's find a program we can kind of place her in, you know, so we might not know what it is, but we can, right. you know, find some people. So um, uh, even through uh, just friends and family at church, when I would say I want to do graphic design, they'd say, hey, you know, do my logo or do my business mm -hmm. cards. And I think my mom had got me um, 
a copy of uh, Corel Draw. I don't even know what edition it was, but I could do all different things with it. I, this is before I even had Photoshop and in, uh, Illustrator and InDesign, and she got me this disc and loaded it on yeah. my computer, and I I haven't looked back since. Um, except I don't use Corel Draw anymore. <laughs> But thank um, goodness we'd have to end this conversation right here. I'm just kidding. I've had Fabio on and that's all he used, but he's a convert. He's converted now. Yeah. So, um, so you go through, you go through the, uh, NC state, um, program in industrial design and then you get a job. What job did you get? Uh, so when I graduated, um, well, backing up a little bit, I got a job on campus my senior year. Um, at NC State with like working part-time part-time as a um, campus activities board so basically it's the department or the on-campus organization responsible for planning all our events so concerts um, just little activities for us to have on the weekends during the the day free food t-shirt giveaways all that good stuff so um, I was the one of the publicity chairs so my job was to design all our posters all our t-shirts and so um, they took us to uh, Vanderbilt University for mm-hmm. uh, a conference called ACUI. Um, and uh, it's like the College Unions International Conference. So all these different college unions get together and they do a regional conference. So we went to the one in, um, in Tennessee and um, they have a competition for uh, the designers, a student and a professional um, level. And I entered a bunch of stuff. Uh, got some recognition and connected with some folks at UNC Charlotte while I was there. And um, uh, it was just good exposure for my work and um, kind of knowing that if this is something I wanted to do afterwards, you know, I could, even though I was doing industrial design, um, it was kind of hard to get the job that I wanted. Like I wanted to work at Nike doing a soft product design, like sneakers and bags. But um, getting in at the door at Nike can be really tough. So um, right. I wanted to kind of have a backup. So my parents were saying, you know, well, you know, just be open. You know, um, you can stay local. You can go here. You can go there. But just kind of be open. So after that conference, it kind of opened my mind to walk a geographic design specifically for universities because I have this portfolio built around that. And um, during winter break, I just kind of did a lot of. Uh, sending my application out, internships, full-time jobs, and um, taking all the work that I'd done at NC State uh, and applying for a couple of jobs at different universities. And UNC Charlotte was hiring. They were actually in the process of building their new student union and uh, kind of building up this uh, new department around the student union. So I was able to apply there, got an interview, um, and they actually called me the last day of my internship in Raleigh to offer me the job. So I graduated um, Saturday, um, May 9th, and I started work like a week later. Whoa, that's incredible. It was, it was perfect time. My mom and grandma, they drove me down to Charlotte, um, found an apartment, um, stayed with some family until my apartment was ready, and I got to work. So it was like graduation, move, start a job. It it was perfect, perfect timing, right? So, so just so people who aren't as familiar with North Carolina, um, Durham, Raleigh, Charlotte, uh, uh, or Chapel Hill, Raleigh, Durham is kind of um, in in one kind of area called the the triangle. Triangle, right? So then Charlotte is closer. It's closer to South Carolina, so it's um, it's a Charlotte is about two and a half hours from Raleigh um 
still in the triad, so still in like the middle part of right. North Carolina, but just on the other end of the triad. Uh, so I went from Winston to Raleigh and to Charlotte. Um, and I was in Charlotte for six years. Yeah, six years. Um, and it was my first job out of college. I mean, it was probably one, you couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better um, first job. I mean, um, I was able to grow there, you know, they supported, you know, education. So I was able to go back to school. Um, so I enrolled at UNC Charlotte for a graduate program, uh, took classes in communication studies and um, business, um, you know, started the MBA program. Uh, it was cool, but it wasn't really my thing. So um, I, instead of declaring an actual master's in that, I said, I'm going to, you know, keep working, but I'm going to apply for my master's and go to um, graduate school for uh, MFA in graphic design. So that's when I got to SCAD. So um, what year was that in your in the process um, of working? I started SCAD in 2012. And you graduated in? 2015. So okay. um, and I was going full-time, but I was only doing two classes at a time. So grad school for SCAD is two classes considered full-time. And then I was working full-time, too. Um, had just bought a house and, like, all this crazy stuff was going on. So uh, it was madness, but it was what, totally worth it. What year did you graduate undergrad? Um, undergrad, I graduated 2009. Okay, so, so really you're talking, you've made, you made some decisions quickly, which I think some mm-hmm. people, especially now here at the beginning of the year, they're like thinking about things. Were these decisions that you had long-term because you were like, okay, I started this new job. I see, um, you know, I see what it entails, but I also know, like, how far into your job did you start taking classes um, for the MBA or whatever? I had started classes within probably a year and a half of starting my job at UNC Charlotte um, because, I mean, they offered uh, tuition yeah. waivers. So it's like, you might as well, even if you're not declaring a minor, it's just good to stay right. fresh because I knew eventually I was going to go for a master's. Um, so I wanted something just to kind of keep my mind fresh. Um so I I knew going in that, you know, within a year or so, I was going to go back to school. Um, it just took me a little bit longer to declare what I wanted to actually do. But I had been taking classes like as of 2015, I had been in school since kindergarten, like nonstop. So <laughs> yeah, it was like boom, 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 boom. Um, but um, my initial goal when, with the master's was, you know, working in higher education, um, pretty much everybody I worked with at some level had either a master's or a doctorate. Mm. Um, so it was like, well, I'm a designer, but I could still, you know, go for that. And, you know, I really want to teach, um, mm. you know, at the university level one day or um, just have that extra experience and kind of bridge that gap of, I still want to do graphic design. There's still a lot I need to kind of understand. Mm-hmm. Let me fill it with the, with the master. So um that was kind of my main reason for going back in. Once I kind of decided that not only do I want to teach, but I kind of want to start to specialize in sports design, I can kind of use this master's as an opportunity to research and um, figure out all of um, what I need to do uh, for this, this area of design. It's like when you first see sports design, you know, we see the the Photoshop, the composites, you Mm -hmm. know, all this stuff is really cool, but, I wanted to try to tap in a little bit deeper, especially on the branding side. And that's something that I didn't have that experience with from school because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was doing industrial. So I knew the research component of it, but graphic design, you know, can be a whole nother beast, especially when it comes to copywriting and 
all these other things that I had not done as much undergrad. So the first, my first two semesters, I don't think we designed anything. We wrote papers, um, mm. you know, like five page papers um, every week. And then your final paper, you know, is like 10 to 12 or 15 pages. Um, journal entries and blog entries, like every class we did a blog and we had to do write up. So it was a lot of writing, uh, but it was perfect because it sets you up nicely for um, preparations to write your thesis. So it was great. Like at first it was like really frustrating. <laughs> I just want to design something, but uh, you really, they really want to make sure that you understand the concepts that you're going to be delivering and uh, understand how to communicate those through um, visually and written. So it was tough, but uh, I mean, I, I came out a stronger writer um, for it. So, you know, um, and then in turn a better designer because I'm able to kind of communicate uh, a little bit better with my project. So it was worth it. It was so if you're thinking about going to SCAD or any graduate program, especially the MFA, it's going to be a lot of writing. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, Industrial design is a lot of user experience. One of the things, the advantages of having that in your background was that you knew how to research. You understood your audience really well. I think that that ends up being a huge advantage because I think sometimes we think we know what somebody is going to do, but we don't, we just don't do the research. So can you talk about that a little bit and how that how those things that you learned in your undergrad in industrial design play a role in your in your job now at AMB? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so research for industrial design, you know, we probably spend, at least in school, spent more time researching the, figuring out the problem, you know, like mm. it's usually instead of a client saying design this for me, it's they're coming to us with a problem. And then we as the designers mm. have to kind of develop the solution, um, whatever it may be. Um, and we research everything from the user group to the materials to the cost to you know every little thing so we take those same principles you know where we are in-house and um, before we start a project you know our, our director is always saying you know you know you tell us the, the problem and you know we'll, we'll come up with a solution so in doing so um, whether it's a logo or a flyer or a campaign we start with um, research and a mood board and rationales and all these things that are going to help support our project and pushing our our concept through and also to um, help the client understand because if we just go in and say it's this way and it's because we said something because we're the designers that's not always going to fly so we want to make sure that they understand why the research is important and why we're coming up with a solution that we're coming up with um, so instead of just saying here it is um, we back it up with rationale, we back it up with research, we back it up with uh, examples of what other groups are doing. So if they say, hey, what if we do this? We're like, that's cool, but it's already been done. You know, we want to kind of push it a little bit, um, a little bit further and, you know, kind of make it specific to um, our brand. Uh, so that research is really helps us um, kind of get that. And um, we have processes to, you know, set it up. So um, I would encourage anybody, you know, get a good research process. Um, you know, I like to start with a mood board. Um, I mean, I'm always like looking up ideas on stuff, even if I don't have a project attached to it. And I save ideas for later. Like my Pinterest is like ridiculous. I have probably 75 boards um, and then the sub boards within that, but it helps me kind of recall things that I want to kind of pull back up. So um, Pinterest, uh, Evernote, um, notes in my phone, just have some kind of tool to kind of 
keep all your ideas and your research component. You'll never know when you might need it again. But um, and then just knowing what kind of questions to ask. Um, you can have a set questionnaire if you want um, and kind of base it based on different projects. Uh, but just kind of have your core questions and then kind of um, how you want to present, you know, your research, you know, your, your rationales and uh, your, your visuals. Um, anything that's going to help push your idea through. Okay, so in that, because that is, I do think that that is a differentiator for you. Um, I don't know if that was a one of the things that helped you get your job that you're at now. That was one thing you didn't give me was your Pinterest board. So I'm going to try to look it up so that I can well, share that, um, the link for people. So you were working full-time at a university and going to school full-time, which you were taking two classes a semester, which they have a different semester. Yeah, it's actually it's, quarters. Yeah, um, it was like 12 so weeks, right? Yeah. So it's two, a semester, basically, you know, for us, it's two quarters. So um, right. this was actually good because I kind of got through, um, excuse me, my classes a little bit quicker um, than I did summer school and uh, internships and stuff too. So um, that kind of, the internship kind of prolonged the studies a little bit, but it was worth it. So do you, so I had asked you that I thought your time management skills must be out of this world because if you're able to do everything that you're able to do plus do all this extra studying and writing and research on the side what would you say was something that you really had to get down or something maybe that you had to sacrifice during that time oh well fortunately when i was in school in charlotte um a lot of my friends uh were in charlotte that you know i went to school with so if i really wanted to get away even just for a night like go meet friends for dinner or something. Um, it didn't really cause too much chaos or if I wanted mm -hmm. to go home for a weekend. Um, and with the way SCAD is set up, especially if you're doing classes uh, online, you have certain check-in points. So I would try to do my check-in points between Monday and Wednesday. And then I take Thursday off and then check back in on Friday or Saturday. Um, so that would kind of give me two days that I could have you know, to just rest or clean up or adult or whatever else I needed to mm -hmm. do, um, you know, just so I had that good balance. But there were definitely times where um, if it was like a snow day and the school was closed and everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go apply on the snow, I'm going to do this and that. And I'm like, yeah, well, when you're taking online classes, snow, it doesn't matter. As long as you have electricity. <laughs> you have right. So, um uh, that that was just like the discipline of it, just kind of making sure that, okay, when I come home, um, and I usually would get home around six o'clock, eat dinner, um, try to meal prep, you know, to kind of, you know, mm -hmm. set some of that time. Um, while I'm eating, I'm doing my reading, taking my notes, answering questions, and then I could be done by, you know, like 10 or 1030, um, which wasn't too bad because before school, I was freelancing that late or even later. Um, I did have to kind of cut out a lot of freelance. So like any extra money that was coming in, um, you know, just to have, uh, kind of got cut out. Uh, so, you know, I couldn't support my sneaker habit. And my <laughs> right. All this other stuff. So just kind of being more mindful about spending, um, because that extra money wasn't coming in. But, um, yeah, like I said, the sacrifice there in my case were minimal in the sense of, some of the other folks that were in the program who, you know, are parents and, you know, had um, husbands and wives and other family members they were taken care of, you know, it was just me uh, in my house 
So I didn't really have anybody else that I was responsible for. So mm. um, it, it kept it pretty flexible. So if I needed to stay up late, you know, I could. Um, or if I wanted to take a nap and then get back up at 4 a.m. to do stuff, I could. You know, I, it was I had a very flexible schedule. So Doc asked a question about do you struggle with having multiple places to keep all those thoughts? Like you're thinking about one thing and then you're thinking about another. Or are you really like I put it out into a notepad or put it on Evernote or put it in Pinterest and then I come back to it and you know you're going to come back to it and you let it go? Or It's like I feel like if – recalling information was a mutant power I think that would be my mutant power because I it's weird I can recall when I placed my notes um like where I was um Mm -hmm. what I was doing what I was listening to and then I'll know where to go same with like when I'm reading a book uh, I recall like weird triggers that kind of help me know Mm -hmm. where I place something um always have you always had that skill yeah I think when I was little um my bro- both my brother and I, like my mom and my grandmother, say so you guys recall memories that we didn't think you could remember at that young. So, um, but but I also suffer from I can leave my bedroom, go to the kitchen, and forget what I was coming in for. But when it comes to information, it's usually a little bit better. Um, but uh, I mean, most of the time I, I try to keep it strategic. Like most visuals, I place on Pinterest, and then just ideas. I'll put, I'll try to keep an Evernote um, unless it's like a really quick idea and I just open the first thing that I can get to. But usually it's going to be an Evernote um, and I try to have them categorized by, you know, projects that I want to try, like passion projects. Or if I'm thinking about a project for work, I have a notebook for that. And sometimes it might go in the wrong spot and then I can just make a mental note to go back and put it in that correct spot later. So if I'm trying to recall it during a meeting a week later, I know exactly where it is. I'm not kind of like scrambling. Um, but uh, as long as I get it down, it's locked in, it's good. And then I might have to go back and just put an extra uh, tag on it so I can like recall it. Or as long as I remember what I wrote out, I can always search for it. So that's kind of one of the beauties about this digital age. It's like right. easy to recall all of our stuff. You know, you can search based on a tag or um, a visual note. But uh, So one thing Doc says was um he says he struggles to remember where he put the notes in workflow he ever know google doc pinterest so really it's about having one place that's for visual which yeah. was is pinterest for you and then one place that's for the ideas or the written part and that's yeah. an evernote and so yeah. i would tell doc maybe to to you have to pick yeah, yeah. I mean, and i've tried them all um and i just at the end of the day um those are the two that's you know were the strongest for me across platforms from my desktop to my to my phone um to my tablet so um and enough people were using it to where you know I can share uh, content so um but and I and I I do have a sketchbook and I have like multiple sketchbooks it's probably actually worse for my sketchbooks because I have three for some reason and I'll write something in one and then Mm -hmm. I'll write something in another one and then I was like, oh, I had this really cool sketch, this really cool idea, and I'll have the wrong sketchbook. So <laughs> I'm trying to get better about just sticking to one sketchbook at mm-hmm. a time and then um, trying to archive them based on on year versus having three and then it just being kind of chaotic. So Because th- if you're doing three, you're tr- maybe trying to do it based on category or, or subject. 
No, it's just, I just have, for some reason, I might go somewhere and I just, oh, a sketchbook. And I was like, this is nice. And I'll take it with, especially the little field notes. Yeah. Um, and I'll just throw them in a book bag and then I'll run to a meeting and I'll just grab the first sketchbook I can find. Mm-hmm. And then I have this journal that we got from work um, during this uh, retreat. And it's a great journal. I mean, it's really nice. So I started writing stuff in there. So I'm like, okay, I can't, I got to stick to just one. So I, I put that one away. And then I have my, my one sketchbook. So I'm trying to, that's kind of one of my goals for 2019 is to one, stop collecting so many sketchbooks. A hundred of them. You'll just have to use them and then, and yeah. then log I, them by day. I've got enough. I probably got enough to last me the next, <laughs> if I use every day, maybe three years. So I really need wow. this. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. I want you to talk a little bit about your nostalgia uh, and your love for this, but Remind us why, if you did not play sports, where did this love for, I guess, clothing or that sports, uh, I can't even say sports, sports aesthetic really come into being such a big part of who you are? Um, I think probably, i say my dad and my uncle, like everybody else in my family, they're athletic or they're tall. Like my grandmother's tall. Um, I don't, You're taller I don't, than me. I mean, I'm still pretty short. I'm I'm the shortest. I'm usually the shortest. Um, my mom ran track. My dad played football. Um, my grandfather plays tennis and golf. Like my brother um, played football, wrestled. So I was surrounded by it. And but I think the thing that really grasped my attention the most was um, uniforms and sneakers. Mm. So I dressed like I played sports, but I didn't play sports. <laughs> So my dad would buy me jerseys and like I had like this um, uh, Mighty Ducks jersey and I had like a Colorado jersey. Like I always I came back home from summer break with my dad with a bunch of jerseys and my mom. I don't think she liked that very much. But and then I wore a, a uniform um, uh, in, in, in private school. So I didn't always get to wear those things. But when I did get to wear them, I was wearing my sneakers. I had like my LA gears. I had my Air Force Ones. I had like all these shoes. So even when I wore my uniform, shoes were going to be on point. But then when I could put the whole fit together, it was just like, I'm cool. You can't, you can't tell me anything. <laughs> and then um, we got uh, East Bay Magazine. Um, it's basically a sports uh, athletic wear uh, magazine. So shoes, um, uniforms, all that stuff. And I would flip through those magazines, circle all the stuff that I wanted to get. But then um, that's when I really started kind of sketching uh, as far as like the fashion part of it. And mm. fashion design. Like I would draw, redraw the shoes and then make edits to it to say, this would be my color combination. And I was doing the design before I actually knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where it kind of got my attention. Um, looking at the uniforms of different teams, looking at, you know, logos. It was just always something that I thought was really nice. Something it was just like, man, you know, everybody kind of falls in love with it. And so with the, you know, kind of transitioning to the project on nostalgia, it was how do people kind of form these bonds? Like if you see a Yankees logo, it kind of triggers, mm. you know, memories or these warm feelings, you know, especially when that team is winning um, or mm pairs a, a special memory with, you know, um, your first experience at like a, at a, a game, you know, a baseball game or a basketball game. So doing that, I wanted to kind of understand that feeling associated with sports and how I could take that into, um, you know, what I'm doing now. It's like, yes, I can 
make the sports logos. I can do the compositing, but how do I feel those emotional connections with Mm. the team? How do I kind of preserve and respect the legacy of these sports teams that I would be working with, you know, and kind of translate that into the next story, you know, for that team, Mm. no matter the outcome of the team, whether they're having a great season or a bad season or an okay season, how do I kind of utilize that history and those triggers of nostalgia and what makes them special and push that into, you know, retail or billboards or communications and campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's, it was more so about kind of respecting the history that was there, mm-hmm. but, you know, kind of building on on that history for, you know, new generations and helping kind of create those special memories. Uh, but, um, but also kind of wielding the sword of nostalgia in a responsible way, because sometimes um, it can be fake. So, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of creating these aesthetics based on just throw some grunge on it. And now it's old, even mm-hmm. though it's only two years old, you know, that grunge is supposed to kind of represent something more than just a treatment. It's, you know, supposed to be representative history. And it's like, that's something you have to kind of earn. It can't be like forced. So uh, that's why you want to be careful with it. So it was just the, the whole idea of the project was just kind of how to be responsible with nostalgia um, based on an argument that nostalgia and design can be dangerous, you know, if it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not real. So it was just kind of understanding like where, what do those feelings come from? Um, you know, why do traditions in sports happen? Um, why do they work? Why do they not work? So I did like um, four case studies in it. it. It was just like a really fun project. I've never had so much fun writing a paper and it's like and they told me 70 something pages you know for the final like there's no way I'm going to be able to do that but you know by the time I finished you know I think I had like 75 80 pages so it was it was like one of the coolest things I've ever you know had a chance to work on and to this day still one of my favorite projects and it's something I'm still kind of trying to launch yeah I want to show some of the images just to kind of give people a little bit of your background oops it did the wrong thing Oh, boogers. Now y'all can see everything. Not <laughs> trying to do that. <laughs> I was trying to share just this. Okay. So um, this was where you grew up, right? Yep. Yep. And then this is Charlotte is 919 also, which is also Raleigh. and, and Yeah. So Char- uh, Raleigh is 919 and Charlotte was uh, 704. Oh, 704. Okay. So this, these are your shoes. This is doing, this is at NC State. Yes. Okay. So that's stuff that I did like freelance NC State in school and then um while I was the publicity chair okay and then 704 70 in that that's that's Charlotte yeah okay so then this is some of the work you did for them yep so this was stuff that I did um while I was with the student union so uh, and this is kind of what really um sparked my interest in um the sports design so we collaborated with athletics um, on homecoming and kind of creating a, a brand like a logo. Um, we had, they had never had an illustrated um, mascot. So it was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, illustrate norm, um, you know, for some stickers or just some t-shirts. Um, so that was kind of cool. And then um, any events that would come through from poetry nights to um, one of my favorite uh, brands, uh, Johnny cupcakes, he mm-hmm. came to school um, and getting to do that poster in his style and getting to meet him and have him autograph. Um, it was just like so many opportunities. And because I was the first designer for that department, I just had so much creative freedom Mm. and I could do, you know, pretty much, um, what I wanted. But so I try to utilize it as like a learning opportunity. Um, 
understanding, you know, Charlotte has brand guides, you know, the university, um, different departments have brand guides, uh, the programs have brand guides, so how to work within uh, restraints, but then also kind of working um, on quicker timelines than what we had in school. And then in other cases, you know, we knew homecoming was coming, you know, a year or so out. So sometimes you had longer timelines on okay. stuff. So um, it was just a really good experience as far as trying to uh, see what, you know, I, I could do within certain timelines versus, um, you know, what I had in shorter timelines to doing logos to doing, you know, full campaigns. Um, and then also working with uh, students for the first time, you know, mm. um, you know, while I was there, I had maybe five or six interns in rotation and um, my first boss, uh, Lindsay, um, you know, she was like, well, you know, she managed the first ones. And then kind of as I moved up, she was like, I want you to kind of be responsible for, you know, managing their time and what projects they're working on and um, distributing projects. So I got to do a little bit of project management stuff. So it was, a re like I said, a really awesome first job. So I, I just want to plug that you will be coming to Mobile to talk about uh, your whole experience at our AIGA Flourish Conference, which anybody can go to. There is a t small amount of uh, fee if you just want to come and hear her, but like Jason and um, Austin and Alan and anybody else who's here, Hannah, um, who's here in Mobile or around here, if you guys want to come over, um, we'll have it. And I'm, so I'm really excited to have you down and cause now you will be the Johnny cupcakes for our. <laughs> oh, I'm honored. <laughs> well, let me keep clicking through. So then you also had this dream kind of, of, well, if I can't do shoes, sports or entertainment, I'd be okay with. And you got yeah. to taste a little bit of that because of how you, what your job was through the student union, right? Yeah, I mean, I got to, I never thought, like, taking a job at a university, I would get to, like, meet J. Cole and Wale and Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar. Like, they all came through uh, to do concerts uh, on campus, so I actually got to meet them. Um, we worked with kind of, like, their, their marketing teams, you know, to kind of do uh, on-campus promotions based on, you know, some of their branding, but kind of uh, fuse it a little bit, so... I mean, I got to travel, I got to go to um, all these different design conferences for the first time. So it was just, an like I said, an amazing first opportunity. Um, you know, they provided so many uh, experiences. I mean, even to the point where um, I wanted to do an internship um, as part of my, my graduate program. And, you know, they said, well, if you know, if you want to take a leave, you know, for the semester, you know, save up all your vacation time. So I saved up my vacation time for about a year so that that way I could go off, do the internship, but still be having um, like my part-time pay coming in so that I could pay my mortgage. So mm -hmm. I moved up to New York for the summer to do an internship with Spike and uh, Spike TV uh, and Viacom. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helped push the sports and entertainment uh, mm -hmm. interest a lot more and actually build that portfolio. I think I, think I have some pieces in there. Um, yeah, the two one two. So, um, getting to do learning how to do compositing and building out environments. Um, you know, working and assisting on photo shoots to see that they don't just shoot these posters. You know, like what you see on the left. It's like you have to build out those environments and learning how to add smoke and you know treat images and um, do some three D stuff. It it was just it it just worked out great and like all those opportunities kind of built up to setting the foundation for the portfolio that 
I would use to apply um, with the with the Falcons, and then eventually being brought into the um, AMB Sports and Entertainment. But it sounds like you sacrificed. You knew you had a dream and a goal, but and you were willing to sacrifice time and money, and maybe time with friends or. I mean, there's a lot of things you had to sacrifice to go to school. There's a lot of things you had to sacrifice to do an internship. Um, but I mean, in the end, it's like, it was just a great experience. Like I had been to New York before, but I had never been that far away from home for that mm-hmm. long. All right. So I want to get back to this. I want to go through this a little bit quicker. So you definitely believe that you show the work you want to do. So in your thesis, you really kind of embrace that. And the nostalgia pieces kind of come out. So talk us through this and just tell me when to click. So um, the base of the project, um, and a, a big shout out to actually uh, to Todd Radom. Um, he was my thesis committee um, advisor on this project. And if you all don't know who he is, um, he's basically, like, I kind of call him one of the godfathers of sports design. <laughs> uh, he's an amazing designer and historian. So He's just a really awesome person. You should totally like look him up. But um, he helped me um, kind of figure out the, the the bones of this project and kind of help put me in the right direction with resources and uh, contacts with um, with the Hall of Fame and the the, um, the, the Negro League um, Museum and just a bunch of great resources that he was uh, willing to share with me and kind of sit down and uh, talk to me about this project. Him and a bunch of other really um, amazing designers, Bill Fredericks, TJ Harley, Frazier, Joe Bosett, like they all kind of came together to kind of help me um, steer me in the right direction of the topics and then also kind of a better understanding about what sports design is. Um, How did you meet those guys? So Todd and TJ and um, Fraser Davidson? At Creative South. Um, my first Creative What was South, your first Creative South? I think it was 20... It was 2012 or 2013. I want to say it was 2013. And you came with Lindsay? No. So um, I came with um, Ade Hogue. He's a designer. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He was actually one of my um, interns, but we're almost like the same age. So he didn't really feel like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was like my, um, my, my, my intern, like my, my UNC Charlotte best bud but he basically he was kind of my hype man all weekend because when I would see these designers you know people that have been following and whose work I admire I was too shy to actually talk to him so he would be like B go get up you got to go talk to him you got to go talk to him like tell him about your project and so they did a um a panel um or trivia um uh contest um at the end of Creative South after their uh, after they finished their presentation and um Long story short, I won the uh, trivia contest and I got to go on stage and kind of just, you know, I just told them, you know, hey, I admire your work. Um, I think you guys are great. But it was actually Ade who actually told them that I'm actually trying to get into sports design and, you know, showed Frazier some of my work. And that's how we kind of all clicked and connected. Um, But they've been kind of, you know, watching out for me ever since, you know, helping with recommendations for this current job and helping with my thesis. And uh, they're just a great group of people. So. And it does, and they are, they're all awesome. So it's, and Joe is like, uh, we have a sandwich in January. So uh, Britt is at the beginning of the sandwich and Joe is at the end. So Joe Bosack will be, um, so I'm excited to have 
two sports people this month and starting off the year right. But I really do think that there's something to be said. There's a lot, the industry is a lot different than when um, Joe started and mm -hmm. then when you started. So let's get into that a little bit. So you have this amazing project. I am going to share the screen again, but you kind of were giving us a, a basis of this project and you really created a bunch of things, things that you didn't have in your other um in your experience, you said you wanted to learn branding and you did. And, mm -hmm. and that was something that you really um, pushed in yourself and in your work. And you did an awesome job with that for sure. Um, I'm, I'm just quickly, obviously going through it, but you didn't just do logos or branding or responsive logos. You also did a lot of other things. The bus, you did mm -hmm. this um, exhibit design. Yeah, so the whole idea was um, it's a traveling exhibit that would um, celebrate the 100th anniversary of the um, first uh, Negro League World Series. Um, so the project would actually be set in, um, and you have it, 2024. And um, the idea, you know, after talking to Todd, he was like, you know, let's build this as if you were actually going to, or, you know, and I'm actually still trying to, present this to, you know, sponsors, you know, so if we wanted to get this made, basically you would hand them this thesis and say, here it is, help me fund this. So um, it was a lot of business too. Yeah. So I got, I actually talked to, um, you know, like researching sponsors. I talked to um, people at Greyhound Bus cause you know, I wanted to, right. have the bus component was kind of a nod to how the teams mm. uh, traveled. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to travel by bus. Um, so that was kind of where the, the, the mobile, um, turning the bus into the, um, museum kind of came from. Um, but even you did bus stops, like the advertising, yeah. which I thought yeah, was so great. I got to do copywriting. Um, I got mm -hmm. to do, um, you know, illustration. So I got to try a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you know, the copywriting specific to, you know, the location. So like take your seat in history, you know, you're mm -hmm. at the, the bus you know, bus stop and you're kind of in the, in the ball pen, you're like sitting with the players, you know, you're mm -hmm. on the bus, on the back of the bus and it's like, get on board, you know, join us at the, at the museum. So um, trying to write copies specific to, um, you know, the locations. Uh, so that was, you know, fun uh, working with type, um, mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a fun way that was a little different for me, uh, how it paired with the logos, you know, working with colors, you know, the colors are pulled from the, the two teams, um, the Monarchs and, and Hilldale, like pulling mm -hmm. from their colors to kind of build out the colors for this, that campaign. So again, like uh, visual history from, um, it's all kind of being pulled from Um, from Todd and all these other sports historians and um, directions that he kind of helped, you know, set me up with so that I could make it authentic because that was part of the project was, you know, authenticity. Uh, not just saying, oh, this type looks cool. Oh, these colors look cool. It's they're all rooted in something. And um, I found that if I actually start a project with research versus just sitting down to sketch a cool shape, Mm. I, my results are actually a lot better. So a lot stronger because yeah, again, it's based on, so Heather says that um, from a, AIA Utah, she said she wants to have you out there. She's going to get with her local AIGA chapter, but mm -hmm. she said she loves how you have folded your own heritage into your lens for design. And she said, you're oh. awesome. So yeah. and it's great. Like my, actually the, the one specific thing I do want to call like with the, the, 
the interest in the Negro League is my uncle and my mom. They took my brother and I to um, uh, a, a panel event at um, Winston-Salem State, it's a university, um, you know, in my hometown. And they actually had, um, it was like four or five players from the Negro Leagues who were from North Carolina. So actually getting to talk with these guys who played with Jackie Robinson and mm. Josh Gibson and like all these like Satchel Paige, all these legends mm. to hear them, you know, firsthand. I think I was like maybe eight or nine. And then they gave us this really awesome poster that I have framed and I have hanging up in my living room. But that poster again was just something I thought was really beautiful. Like, this is really well designed. They autographed it. You know, I've had it this whole time, but it's those little moments that kind of mm. just spark these, long-lasting interest that when you kind of look back you can kind of say this is what kind of these this is one of the things that kind of got me into design so um props to my parents mm. mom and my dad for kind of like um instilling a good a really rich sense of history um anything that I wasn't learning in school uh, I definitely was going to pick up you know at home or be encouraged to kind of not always um do the reports on the same people that everybody does, you know, as, as great as those figures are, you know, in our history, you know, my parents always reminded me that there's thousands of other people, local and uh, international, um, that look like you who've done really great things, um, in times and eras where people didn't think they could do, you know, amazing things. So it's mm -hmm. like, that was kind of encouragement, not only to learn more but you know encouragement to say that well if they could do it then I can do anything you know if they could do it back then you know I can do it right now so um that's kind of my little mantra to myself yeah well we didn't really get into that but we'll have to do a part two or something so <laughs> I want to uh, go back I just want to share th some more of these images because the images are just incredible and you really did this was uh, was this a semester long or was the or a quarter long or was this longer so you get um two defined semesters to actually work on the thesis project. So mm -hmm. you take a class um, for your written thesis and then for your visual thesis. Um, and then you present everything together at the end. So I had, um, before I actually started the class, I had about six months to kind of come up with my, um, uh, with my research plan. Cause you have to basically present a research plan with all of your sources. It's like at least 30 sources, mm. um, your topics, um, your references, who's going to be on your advisory committee, like all that has to be kind of done up front, which is actually great because that gives you more time to focus on building it out and kind of the fun part. So the first six months of research is actually the harder part because, you know, you're trying to vet all of your sources and, you know, extract um, uh, the pieces, you know, where you want your, your content. Kind of plan plan out where you're and you were really at that point in the research phase, were you thinking about, um, pitching this or did you pitch this after? Um, during the research phase, I just knew the topic that I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of had the basis of the idea. But once the research uh, started flowing, it was like, that's when the idea started to come. It's like, okay, I want this to be uh, a museum exhibit. Because mm -hmm. um, I think I had gone to a museum in St. Louis while visiting my grandfather. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. I think um, a museum is great. And I had done a smaller exhibit project um, on a Gullah culture. It's another aspect of like my family history in South Carolina. And that was a museum exhibit. Say that again. What kind uh, of culture? Gullah. Gullah Geechee is um, coastal South Carolina. And so I had done a research project um, and exhibit around that. So that was kind of 
just to kind of set up, hey, this is how, this is what goes into a museum exhibit. So mm-hmm. I was able to take that project and kind of expand it a little bit more and then apply it to, to this project. So knowing that I was able to kind of take projects that I had done in the past and the research and process from there and then just blow them up a little bit more and get a little bit more detail because again, this is my thesis. This is going to determine whether mm-hmm. I graduate or get that, um, the MFA. Um, so I wanted to make sure it was really, you know, done in depth and, you know, I had a good foundation. So building up, it was basically everything I had done in SCAD and all the research kind of built up. I was able to kind of say, okay, instead of starting all the way at, you know, step one, I can, you know, kind of just build up because you know, you have to do the project, like, you know, you have to do the thesis. So Mm -hmm. going into that, that second year, it's like, let me start getting in that mindset of everything I do from here on out is either going to be geared specifically to sports projects or my thesis or both. And so at the end of the day, I was able to kind of combine them both my thesis, you know, and sports and history and all these other things that I've done, you know, put them together and then pow, you know, I've got a project. So it, it all, it all worked out. But again, you know, it's, it's about planning, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. realizing at the right moment um, and kind of keeping yourself open and, and aware and conscious of how you want things to kind of fold out. And if you give yourself that extra time, um, usually works better. But there was a lot of stuff that came last minute, um, so to say, in doing the visual part, just apparel and like these access passes and kind of how I wanted the tour to go in the app. All that stuff kind of came afterwards. But I was able to kind of categorize them in these larger categories that I had set up, you know, months before. Mm-hmm. So um, it, like I said, it just, it just all worked out. So I want to go to, I want to ask you this question and I'm going to show some images from uh, Atlanta. So you get the job in Atlanta and you move straight to Atlanta yep. um, and you hadn't ever, um, I mean, you've probably visited Atlanta or yes, you've my, driven um, through going to Creative South. Atlanta. Yeah. So my, actually my father, um, has lived in Atlanta for the last like 20 plus years. So I've okay. spent summers down here. Um, so it was like, and I, the funny thing is I actually told myself I would never move to Atlanta because <laughs> everybody was moving to Atlanta. Atlanta and Charlotte were like places where people seemed to move, right. at least from North Carolina after graduation. So I was like, I'm never going to move to Atlanta. The traffic's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. terrible. I just can't deal with it. Um, but when I, um, I was in uh, Chicago for a conference and um, uh, my current boss, uh, Michael Benford, he um uh, was was there as well, and another designer that I met at Creative South, um, Adam Martin. He runs a, um, a podcast. Uh, Maybe he's Sports. been on, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, he connected us. He's like, "Hey, you two are there. You know, you should link up." So um, uh, Benford was actually hiring at the time, and I wasn't really looking for a job, but I was like, you know, at least I can connect with them. And so when he told me, you know, they're looking to expand their team, you know, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I could at least you know check it out. And so um, I had to go to my my design uh, counselor, uh, Todd, and I actually called him before I called my mom because I knew if I called my mom first, she would probably want me to stay in North Carolina. She wouldn't keep me from moving. Right. You know, she's always really supportive, but I knew Todd was going to give me that design professional mm-hmm. uh, insight, you know, you know, what's the good, what's the bad, kind of help me weigh the options. And, um, you know, he was like, you know, it's, this would be a great move um, you know, to get a job in it with a professional team uh, this way. Um, it's almost kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I said, he said, if you feel comfortable, you know, you should definitely do it. So um, I went through kind of uh, 
linked up with with Benford, kind of showed him some of my work. He said, you know, this is good. You know, if you're interested, definitely, you know, like for you to apply. So I was like, okay. So once I got back from Chicago, um, I applied and I kind of reached out to some of my um, sports design friends to kind of see, you know, would you mind being a reference for me? Um, And it kind of going back to when you're networking with people, like when I first met them, I just kind of introduced myself. I didn't ask for anything. Right. So for a lot of students, because it happens to me, when you do meet with design professionals or professionals in any sense that could be recommendations don't like flat out just hey can you be a reference for me or can you do this for me can you do that like kind of build the relationship first Mm -hmm. before just jumping in asking so that's just like a a small thing so we had that kind of relationship already to where I felt comfortable saying hey I'm trying to get this job you know um would you mind writing a recommendation for me and uh, and they did you know it was no no problem um, so I, you know, I end up getting the but job. You were also keeping them, uh, you know, a part of, and you were sharing oh, yeah. Yeah, your, like, the stuff that you were doing in grad school, the stuff that you oh, were yeah. doing at Charlotte. It's not like you met them at Creative South and never yeah. talked to them again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah we stay constant contact. Yeah. So, but it's like, um, what do those pieces look like? And to me, those pieces look like consistently being on social media, sharing your work, sharing oh, yeah. your social- project. Twitter and Instagram probably, uh, and it's why I don't really, uh, even though I really should have a website, I don't utilize my website. Um, I pretty much just do everything through uh, through social and communicating and connecting, um, you know, through social, like TJ and I, even if, you know, we don't have a project or anything we're working on together, we might just meet up for lunch or with Todd, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while we just Skype. So I don't just see them at conferences, you know, I can right. check in with them, uh, even if it's just an email or a text. Um, right that's it's uh it's that's that's what it's all about but um but they were seeing your work is what you know it it wasn't like um it is really I completely agree but it sounds like connections if I'm listening to your whole story your mom and dad really connected you with people even in high school to Mm -hmm. get you to maybe the next step and then you really did that a day helped you you know really push you so it's funny it's like because then I used like I said I still got like stay in contact with those like a day and I text each other all the time whether it be about design or mm. any quotes is is just keeping contact you know about right. design and informally just you know you want to keep those relationships um alive um interacting with each other on social like commenting yeah. on their work oh man this looks amazing I can't wait to see the rest of it or hey can you check this project out for me um you know what do you think real quick uh, so little stuff like that. It doesn't have to be um, super, super formal, but uh, right. just, just, you know, just, just checking in, let them, letting them know that you're still there and you still value that input in that relationship. So I want you to answer at least this one question. So what about, um, cause these I think are two that I kind of prefaced in the beginning and I don't want to let you go until you get these out. So can you describe your role as a woman in the, in, in, in the sports and entertainment industry, mainly the sports one, because I think maybe there are more designers in the entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think that was a barrier to entry? No, the, I definitely, at least for me, um, I didn't really have any barriers. I know, like, I had applied at another uh, agency, uh, sports agency, um, around the same time um, I was applying with the Falcons, and uh, it was a all all guys all on the team and but they kept kind of bringing up the fact like would I be comfortable and I was like I mean I'm a designer yeah and I it almost didn't click for me you know what he was referring <laughs> to and I was like well you know as long as I can do the job you know you know I'm fine and even you know being on at the Falcons up until recently um 
you know, I was the only uh, woman on the team. And now, you know, we have uh, Kayla who's there. Uh, so it's like, I was fine before, but it's like, it does feel good just to kind of have someone to kind of relate to, um, not so much about design stuff, but just like life stuff. Right. Um, but for me, I've never felt, I've always been conscious of it, but as long as I kind of go in and, you know, give my best, Mm -hmm. um, you know, show that I belong here, then, you know, I don't, I, no berries, like, we always kind of say like when we're doing portfolios and we're looking at portfolios, you know, we just want to know that you can do the work, you know, no matter your background, no matter what right. school you went to, just show that you're passionate, um, you're dedicated and you know, that you can do the work. Um, and I know that's not the case for everybody. You know, that's, I've just been fortunate and, you know, really blessed to just have a, a, um, a journey into this industry that wasn't met with, you know, a lot of, opposition even though you know I get a lot of questions about it from the outside it's really not it, it really wasn't that for me it but, just required people you taking the step and asking questions and trying yeah. it's kind of like they didn't know that there weren't any girls there yeah you know? but you know but like again I you know if I didn't say that you know it wasn't on my mind it's like because you know I think anytime you know for me as a minority going into something I'm always conscious that you know, we have this phrase, we have to be, you know, 10 times as good, you know, just to make sure that we kind of get in the door. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it was just about doing the best that I could do, showing that I deserve to be there. And I said, even if I was in a situation where someone saw me, it's like, hey, you know, we're going to bring you into it. Because I've actually had people say to me, not on this team, but other potential teams, you know, say, oh, you're a really talented designer. And, you know, we want, um, you know, diversity on our team. And I, like, I didn't know if he was saying, he wants me on his team because I'm a good designer or I would be like, you know, this token, you know, like, well, I don't mm. want to be, you know, the token. I, I had to be careful about that mindset and then also careful about, am I reading too much into this or, mm. um, you know, am I going to risk not getting something because, you know, I'm going to let my, my brain overthink the situation, but mm. it's just something we're always kind of conscious of. But um, that's kind of why I'm trying to do better about, you know, accepting speaking invitations and doing you know podcasts and shows like this to show that we are out there and so going to like mlc i connected with what, so many so mlc is the is the sports design, the sports design conference, right? conference and going there this past summer um in chicago and kind of just seeing how much more diverse it's become you know is just great especially with people that were like me it's like a whole squad. It was, it was just great. And it's uh, that insight, you know, that you um, can provide, um, you know, from different perspectives. I think that's why that value in diversity, especially with different social things and social justice issues kind of going on mm -hmm. uh, within sports and then, you know, the world at large, but bringing those perspectives in and having that dialogue and providing that insight on all different sides, I think is, is great. It's really valuable, you know, and as our team gets bigger, we have people from, from all over, um, different backgrounds as far as their education and how they kind of got into design and having that insight when we're doing a project is just, it's just great. You know, we can provide that cultural insight. We can provide insight based on uh, different generations and our ages and, you know, how it's going to impact, you know, the projects that we present and how we present copy and taglines and all these different things. So that's why I kind of really value diversity, but then also, encouraging people um, uh, to kind of, if you have a platform or an opportunity to speak or present or just show yourself, you know, do it. You know, I used to hide right. behind uh, 
just a picture, a fake picture or a logo. And mm. I didn't really understand the value of, you know, showing the world who I was, um, you know, till years later when you actually have someone send you a message after you present at a conference and they say, you know, I never really connected with a designer that looked like me or, mm. you know, a, a female designer or, you know, a designer that's a person of color. It's like, you're like, wow, you know, I didn't really think it, that was, it was making as much of an impact. impact. So, um, right. so it's like, uh, and even in, in this time, it's 2019, it's still, you know, it's still important. We have, we have some uh, ways to go, but uh, I think it's definitely, um, we're, we're moving forward. We still just got a long ways to, we got, we got some ways to go, but. Um, but you had told me a story. One thing you said during our uh, pre-talk uh, was you said this quote, which I wrote down because I thought it was really good. Our capability doesn't reside in our gender, which I think is the same. It's the same thing. Our capability doesn't reside in our, in our uh, skin color either. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you really, attending that conference, you could really see a difference in the industry in three years, meaning you saw more women and you saw more minorities in at the sports design conference yep. in only three years. Can you kind of talk just a little bit about that and then we'll share, we'll, ever, we'll let everybody go. No, I mean, it's, um, it's funny. It's almost like when you see somebody uh, in Atlanta wearing like an NC State shirt, you just get really excited because you know that by them wearing that NC State shirt, you have some kind of shared connection or experience, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it was the same with seeing, um, you know, a group of um, Black women designers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Black designers and just kind of our shared experience, be the positive stuff or, you know, the bad stuff. Um, it's, you just kind of link instantly and you kind of feel, you know, this, this extra level of support. Um, but then you're kind of at this sport design conference. So you have that other, you know, shared experience of all being sports designers for in-house teams, be it collegiate or professional. So at that same level, it's like you kind of embrace each other because you know you have a unique shared experience mm-hmm. and they're going to understand you. So that's kind of that's kind of um, you know what it's about. And, you know, it's just kind of nice to see more super talented people, mm-hmm. you know, being elevated and given opportunities you know based on their their work and they you know whether they're person people of color whether they're you know from a a dominant field you know whether they're male female it's just it's just going to be great for the industry overall and the stories that we tell and how we present sports and how we communicate with you know the players you know so from what's on the field to the front office you know what creatives are doing you know we're seeing all these different shifts and at the end you know I think it's going to have a really positive impact on how we tell our stories and um, you know what we're trying to communicate and hopefully bring some people um, people together. Um, but it's it, it's just amazing to kind of see that growth and that and that change. So um, I'm excited to see more. I get hit up in my inbox all the time with a bunch of different people, like from all walks of life, saying, "Hey, I want to do what you're doing." And you're like, "Wow, this is how I would kind of approach." Todd and TJ and all these guys like now you have people kind of the cycles kind of um, continuing this new kind Mm -hmm. of wave of um, design leaders and um, designers and uh, professionals kind of coming up and this wave of younger designers kind of coming in and kind of reaching out so um, you know I'm honored that you know people see enough of me or think enough of me to reach out Um, Mm. it's like it's it's nice it's like it's like wow you know someone saw my work and 
they want to do it like that's an honor like like because that was you you've worked really hard i mean you really like it it's not like anybody it's not like oh i'm interested in it and i did it for school like you really put in the time to get so much better and you researched and that 75 page paper you had to do turned into a bit bigger than 75 pages but it was because you love something and you also found these passion projects and you still have passion projects that you do now and there are things with the falcons that you and i talked about that we'll have to do a part two on that you told me about like the fan day experience and there's all different kinds of things that you still sacrifice, but you love design. So it doesn't feel like a sacrifice, but I feel like sometimes no matter what gender or what color anybody is, some people just don't have that passion and some people don't have that drive. Yeah. And I think too, it's, um, I think collectively as designers, I think it's going to be up to us to kind of constantly communicate like, what design is you know I've, I've had um I, I got to actually the same design camp I attended as a student I got to be um, a teaching assistant for and you had a lot of kids who would come in who were super talented super mm -hmm. enthusiastic about design and you had you know some who were there because they were like well I'm not good at math or science <laughs> or for that. And my parents said I should just be a designer and then you're like well <laughs> we're good at all that stuff too you know like college design we had like the highest average gpa of incoming students and just overall so we're like we're smart too like we you know it's we, not the easy it's choice if you know as people you know kind of assume it is you know it's like well i can't draw but i can use a computer so i'll just learn photoshop and it's like no it's not that's not that's not what it is and I, i've actually had um people who've inboxed me and i kind of tell them that and it's almost like they're shocked because they were able to get into a program and they're trying to get internships and jobs and no, no one's fighting, you know, no one's getting their portfolio. And I look at the work and I kind of tell them, well, maybe you should try this. Maybe you should do that. And they're like, and I have to do all of that. I'm like, well, yeah, like <laughs> you want a job, right? You know, you, you have to do more than just mm. put out a link, you know, to your portfolio. You know, people want to understand that you, you know, you know, what it is, whether you went to school or not, you know, you have to understand what the industry is about. So um, sometimes they come back and say, okay, I really want to do this. And other times they're just like, I never hear from them again. So, you know, hopefully they figured it out, but uh, it, yeah, it's not as easy as people kind of just think mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or as easy to get a job in mm -hmm. those really, so if Nike came back to you today, I know this wasn't on your thing. So if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to. But if Nike came back and was like, "Oh my goodness, Britt, we want you to work there," would you go? Would you go back and do industrial design and, and work for Nike? It's hard that, now. If it was like maybe four years ago, definitely. It's like now I have a nephew who's like almost two, and I don't want to live on the other side of the country and <laughs> and not be able to get to him. You know, if I want to drive before his birthday or you know stuff like that right. or the holidays. Um, but I mean, I think where I am now, you know, because, you know, with the NFL is linked to Nike, you know, um, our soccer team is linked to uh, Adidas. I'm sure there would be opportunities to like learn from folks at that industry. And, and I know people who've worked there. So the insight that I kind of mm -hmm. would have liked to have by working there, I can get it based on mm -hmm. talking to people that work there. So it's like, more connections it's more connections and it's like I get that insight you know um I could do 
you know, freelance probably if I wanted to um, with them, if there was no like, you know, real conflict of interest. But uh, it's like where I am now presents so many unique opportunities mm-hmm. um, across, you know, two really amazing sports, an amazing stadium. It's like, you know, it's in Atlanta. It's like, you know, the perfect location <laughs> for me. It's like, uh, I'm happy, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm older now. I'm like, you know, I'm 31. So trying to move across the country, I don't know if I can it's do harder. it. It's harder. Yeah. It's harder to move. I mean, I keep saying I'm going to move and, you know, to a bigger place here. Um, I'm and like. You you live where I I'm grew up. No Nike. She doesn't want me to go to work. <laughs> you live in Dunwoody where I grew up. So yeah. it's a good place. Yeah, the train, it's, like, easy access. My family can access it. Like, it's right off the highway, so. Yeah, and it's pretty safe. Yeah, it's safe. It's really, I mean, I really like it. Uh, I like, I've been here, you know, like I said, since I moved here, the same, same spot. Um, my apartment people, they're nice. So, it's, like, I'm in a good spot. I mean, I got a good yeah. view. I, it's, it's all good. <laughs> well, Britt, thank you so much. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for starting the new year. And uh, Ashley was like, Diane, I saw the post. It was supposed to be her shows on the ninth. I was like, oh no, really? Anyway, so thank you for, I really was excited just to start the new year off with you. And um, David's in Seattle. I believe Nike's in Seattle, right? Or Portland. Uh, Portland, they're in Oregon. Mm -hmm. With Patricia. So happy new year to everybody. Happy new year to you, Britt. Thank you. Really are. I will have to schedule the rest of these questions because there was just so much more stuff I'd like to get into. But I want to share people um how to get in touch with you so you can follow her on behance at behance.net slash brit with two t's davis b-r-i-t-t-d-a-v-i-s super easy um on instagram it's brit davis 704 because you're connected to charlotte yep okay and then twitter brit davis 704 dribble with three b's brit davis 704 not three b's on the brit just on the dribble (laughs) and then uh, your pinterest is also brit davis 704 so i've shared all those those will all be in the um write up in the show notes as well as um a link to evernote and to todd Raiden. so Mm -hmm. you guys can check him out as well um thank you guys i want to make sure you guys know that we have um now we have three affiliates you can click on them our good friend, Brian White, who comes all the time, he introduced me to this plugin called Elementor. And I'll share the link with, with you, but if you want to go get it, this has revolutionized. I love the Divi. I still use the Divi theme, but then Elementor is just a very easy drag and drop, but I didn't have to do any code. Um, there was lots of, it wrote the code for me and it made it so easy. Like for Brit, if you, I know you don't have a website right now, but this made it so easy. <laughs> easy so easy and I'm like oh my goodness I actually did a project within about 10 days a a whole website so to me that's really Mm -hmm. good so I am trying by in two weeks not next week's just a rapid recharge and then we have um Adam Grayson on not the ninth but the next week um by then I'm hoping we do have school starting and I have a lot of other things going on, but I'm hoping that I can get the recharging use site redone in that amount of time with the element or plug element or plugin. So if you guys want that, you can always get it on bit.ly bit.ly slash dr um, slash element And I get a tiny, uh, not a tiny, but I get a, a little bit of the cut. You don't have to um, 
do anything. And then uh, it doesn't, I mean, you have to pay for it, but you don't have to pay anymore. I just get a cut of their profits, I guess. And then you can always support me on, oh, cool. I'm glad, Lorenzo. That's awesome. Um, the uh, Patreon, sorry, when I try to read and talk, it's very bad. <laughs> Patreon.com uh, slash Diane Gibbs. And then you can also look up, do the Divi. The Divi is my favorite theme. Um, I get the lifetime membership. I love lifetime memberships because then you can, you don't have to pay for it every year, which I really like. Um, you can get that with bit.ly slash Diane loves Divi and that's D I V I. And then I love audible books. You can get, you can try audible and get two free books at, um, bit.ly slash design recharge. That one's the easiest. I love audible. Me too. I mean, really for $14.95 a month, I get a new book every, and some books are like $30. Yeah, so, I, it's great to listen. I like to listen to Atlanta Traffic and yes, it's great. So, Oh my Audible. goodness. One time, so go living in Dunwoody, I worked at the Weather Channel and the Travel Channel one summer. That was my internship. It took me three and a half hours to get home. I mean, yeah. I could have finished a whole book in that time. So yeah. had, had Audible been around then? It, especially for people in traffic, yeah. I do, it really does take your um, road rage down because I don't want to finish the book sometimes. Exactly. So exactly. It, it makes it a lot better. So if anybody dealing with road rage should get Audible, you should try this link and you'll get two free books. So thank you guys. Thank you, Britt, for everything. And I'm super excited that you're going to get to come to mobile and i'll get to hopefully see you in creative south again yep got my ticket i'll be there okay good well um, i'm sure i'll have some students that maybe you'll get to meet at flourish and then hopefully you'll get to see again What's anyway thank you thank you guys and we'll um see you next week just me and you and we'll talk about resolutions did you make any resolutions Britt? oh uh, screen time getting up earlier you know drink more water you know. <laughs> <laughs> those are all good those are all good well we'll see you guys next week